0: With all not your truth, or kindness, Lord. With not your truth, or kindness, Lord. Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hoekstra, your host. The Notice podcast explores our need for validation and affirmation through biblical musings and conversations with special guests. Experience relevant topics and encouragement as we take notice of how the God of Mercy satisfies. On this episode of The Notice, are you someone who is living with constant physical and mental conditions that limit your productivity? According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, An estimated 20% of United States adults are living with chronic pain. So listen in where I speak with writer and blogger Debbie Patrick, who lives with chronic pain. You'll hear her story, her passion for providing a sanctuary for those suffering from chronic pain, and how she has taken notice of God through it all. Well, I'm excited to have Debbie Patrick in the studio today. Debbie actually lives in Seattle, Washington area. She's a wife and mother of two beautiful daughters. She is a writer and blogger and for 10 years, she has lived in extreme pain due to metal poisoning and she's also experienced breast cancer. She is in the final stages of completing her book and has started a ministry called Anchored and Alive, a sanctuary for chronic pain survivors. Her purpose is to please God by encouraging women who struggle with chronic pain, cancer, or any devastating diagnosis. So, Debbie, welcome to the
1: notice. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm glad to have this conversation about a really important topic. And a lot of times my listeners have gotten used to like, well, Susan, where do you meet these people? How do you know these people? And Debbie and I are in our mastermind writing group together. And I'm excited because our group has so many great projects and so many great things that they're doing to honor God. And Debbie is one of those. So Debbie, I am glad you're here. Speaking of chronic pain, you know, I was surprised that the statistics I found from the the Center for Disease said that over 20% of United States adults live this way. That was just alarming amount to me. And I guess you're part of that
1: 20%. So tell us a little bit about your story. I wanna say there is 20%. What is interesting is 8% of that, those people have debilitating pain that keeps them from doing daily activities or they're on disability or something has so serious happened that it affects their daily life. Chronic pain can be because of many things, Um, disease, life situations, injury, metal poisoning, medical device companies that do bad things that we will talk about, and all kinds of things cause chronic pain. Mine was caused from an injury in 2007. I was playing soccer. And the day after I woke up with severe leg pain, I could hardly walk, went to the doctor and he said I pulled a muscle and he he continued to say that for several months. And I finally went to a different doctor that took a hip x-ray and they found out that I had cracked my hip bone. Mm -hmm. And by then it, the damage was too bad to repair. So they did my first hip replacement that was done Wrong, and because of that, I had to have another hip replacement two years later in 2009 on my right side. So I had a hip replacement on my left and a hip replacement on my right. Three months after that, my legs started burning uh, with severe burning pain, mm-hmm. and I was having trouble walking. And I went back to my orthopedic surgeon. He took a X-ray and said, "I don't know what your problem is. Your hips." are fine, the replacements are in, there's nothing wrong, I, I don't know what you're dealing with. So for the next 10 years, I lived in severe pain because of that, but before that, in in one of the appointments, the surgeon said, the reason you're having pain is because you're overweight. And if you would lose weight, maybe you wouldn't mm. have pain. And his, mm. his physician's assistant was there. And he said, Debbie, I disagree with what he's saying. I think you need to go see a physical therapist. So, in the beginning of 2010, I started seeing a the physical therapist who was a Christian. And he said to me, I think you're allergic to the metal. I think you need to go find a, an environmental um, allergist and have me tested for metal. So, I was tested for metal, and I was allergic to four of the five metals that were in my hip replacement ah. cobalt, chromium, nickel, and titanium. And he said, you'll live with this forever because my hips looked, my hip joints looked like they were in there and doctors at the time did not believe metal was an issue in your body. So nobody really even believed the test. When I got the test back, they were just like, this is not even real. Mm. So for 10 years, I went to doctors who put me on pain medications and did whatever they could, but really nobody could help us and in um, 2016 we i found a naturopath who was a godsend to me because she really listened to me and started really helping me with different supplements and different ways of living life and then um, my symptoms kept getting worse though i started forgetting things in the middle of this in 2011 i was diagnosed with breast cancer and ended up having to have a mastectomy on my left side And then five years later, it appeared again, and I had a mastectomy on my right side. I couldn't take medications because it caused severe pain in my legs. So they had to take me off of everything because I already dealt with such bad joint pain. And the medications you use for some cancer drugs can cause severe leg pain. And so 2018, I was out mowing my lawn. I got really dizzy, thought I was going to pass out. Totally lost my memory, came in, and I told my husband something's going on. There's something um, worse happening in my body, and we have to find help. My doctor at the time, my naturopath, thought I would have diabetes. And so they did a test for diabetes, and they um, it came back nothing. And I just started praying, God, I know something else is wrong, and I need an answer. And that was on a Friday. And on a Monday, my husband came home from work and he said, Debbie, we need to watch a medical documentary. I am not a medical documentary person. Uh I don't Uh watch documentaries. This was Uh kind of shocking for me. I said, what's what it's about? He said, we just need to watch it. And it is called The Bleeding Edge. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary that I encourage everybody to watch. It was about three devices that are made and caused some pretty significant damage to the body. And one was from an orthopedic surgeon in Anchorage, Alaska, who started talking about metal poisoning. And he had had a hip replacement, was speaking at a conference for physicians, and had a nervous breakdown. Went into his room and started coloring with black marker all over the hotel room. And when Mm. they found him, he literally was kind of losing his mind. Wow. They took him back to Alaska and said, what happened? And he said, a year ago, I had a hip replacement. Will you test me for cobalt poisoning? And they did, and his levels were extreme. And he started going through the symptoms, and I had every one of the symptoms that he talked about. And Susan, I just started crying Mm. because I knew something was wrong. And when you live in chronic pain, there's not always doctors that are going to believe you. You have to be your own advocate and you have to fight. Whether it takes one year or 10 years, you have to find an answer. Because if I would have quit fighting and just said, okay, the poison would have killed me. But after the bleeding edge, we contacted him, his office in Anchorage, Alaska, which is 2,400 miles from my home. We asked him if he would see see us. And he said, you take two tests. And when you get them back, if they're positive, I will see you. My naturopath took the two tests. They were positive for metal poisoning, high levels of metal poisoning. And we contacted him. And in November, we made an appointment to fly to Alaska. And he saw us in December, took some more tests, a brain scan, several other tests. And I found out that I had, um, at that appointment, high levels of metal poisoning that was attaching to my organs. And it had attached to several organs in my body. And he said, this is going to be uh, what you have to do. You have to get hip revisions immediately on both sides of your legs. And you need to do it close to home because this is not going to be an easy surgery. It's going to be a long recovery. And really, we don't know what the outcome is. I don't know if you will ever walk again. And so he said, I'm going to find you a surgeon. Um, and so there was only two surgeons in the Seattle area that even believed metal could be a problem. And that was just wow. in 2019. Wow! And this is a, a huge problem for people that have metal. So I went to one of the doctors who saw me in um, January of 2019, and actually he really didn't believe me with all of the records I had. Well, and he made
0: Let me ask you this. Why why do you think doctors are, have a hard time
1: believing this? Um, It's new and the symptoms don't always come on fast. For me, I was young. um, But if what we're finding is uh, cobalt poisoning, when you do a brain scan, it looks like how all people that have Alzheimer's, their brain scans look. So when you're older, Um, Most people have hip replacements when they're 50 or 60 and they can last for 10 or 15 or 20 years. So by the time they're older and they lose their memory, doctors say, well, you just have Alzheimer's. You're just getting old. I was young enough and the doctor tower in Alaska was young enough that when this happened to us, we were not 80. Right. I was 55, you know, and so people had to believe that obviously there is something wrong and metal is well, an issue.
0: I, I would also <laughs> think that it would be difficult for the the doctors to admit that something that was supposed to
1: correct actually caused more problems. Yes. Well, mine was a device company that knew they had a product that was not good, but did not wow. contact any of okay. the people that had it. It's about money and uh, they talk a lot about that on the bleeding edge, uh, how f- uh, pharmaceutical companies, device companies, physicians work together. And if you use their product, you get paid for it. Yeah, I yeah. mean, as horrible as that is, right, right, you know, yeah. that is life. And that is that is where we live in America. It's all about money. And it doesn't really matter that you live in pain and this affects you. It just, It's just what is. At the time... Uh, Metal testing was not even on paperwork. I was never asked about, are you allergic to metal? My story, Dr. Tower took my story and a few others to the FDA in Washington, D.C., because we're trying to get the laws changed that you have to be metal tested before you have any metal in your body. You know, I just have to
0: say, Debbie, that just that just swells in my heart, because when stuff like this happens and it's unfair treatment, aside from the fact that you're in pain this is unfair, unfair that we, we do have to do something. We have to like, make sure it's, it works better for the next person that, that yeah. next person. So kudos to you for, for, for wanting to pursue that. So continue with what,
1: what's happened with your story then. So I, my doctor, after doing all of the tests again in Seattle, he did everything in April. He decided to do a hip replacement on me and he said, I'll do it, I don't really think, according to what I'm seeing on your x-rays, that where it's really as bad as what you're saying. I don't believe you really live in this much pain. <laughs> so in April of 2019, my first hip revision was done. And after the surgery, he came in, and what they found was a tumor the size of a grapefruit that had um, was full of tissue, muscle, and the bone that the metal had ate away and formed a, t- a tumor. Um, And on the x-ray, it just really looks like a ball. Wow. (laughs) Um, Wow. And there was so much damage that my left hip is being held by four screws to hold my hip together. And the surgeon said, I've never seen metal do this to anybody. I am so sorry for this happening to you. This is going to be a long haul. And so I recovered from that surgery for the first month without any weight on my legs, because they didn't know if the screws were going to hold. And then um, six in September of 2019, he felt like I was stable enough to do this second surgery, which was just as much damage. But, um, you know, I feel like when you go through this kind of stuff, God just really does answer some prayers to help you through this stuff. And on my second surgery, he came in and he said the damage was just as severe. But instead of it looking like a grapefruit, it really looked like all of the pieces were put in a pile and laid in in like somebody's hands. And I just felt Mm. like God said to me, Debbie, I'm going to take all of your broken pieces
0: Mm.
1: and all of your broken body parts and I'm going to hold them in your in my hand and I'm going to help you through this. Because that one, there was mm. so much damage. There's mm. only two screws holding my right hip together. And so the recovery has been long. I'm not gonna lie, it's been difficult. And if I move wrong, it is not good. And because of the way, uh, when you have a hip replacement, there's two parts you have a ball in a socket, and then you have a spike that goes into the bottom of your leg. They couldn't take that spike out because they were afraid that all of the bones in my leg would shatter. So I still have the metals I'm allergic to and the spikes of my legs. And so I still live with pain because of the metal allergies. And they are saying that in the next two years, the metal poisoning will be out of my system. But we're just finding out that it did some damage to my intestinal tract. And so I am on some supplements and stuff to deal with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it really did kind of mess me up. But it's so yeah. interesting. When this happened, I had two people tell me, you're not going to die during this. You're not going to die. And the last one that said it was, this poison could have killed you. You're not dead. God still wants to do something in you. And I think as chronic pain people, God didn't put us in pain to just because he, he said, you deserve this. I mean, none of us right. are perfect. We've all sinned. There's a reason, and that reason for me was I have drawn closer to God. And I, I thank Him for the pain because it has changed my perspective of, of God. Well, you so know, that's kind of my story. Susan. Yeah,
0: well, uh, what a powerful story. And I just can't imagine that level of, of pain. And, you know, you talk about the, some of the stages of chronic pain, one is disillusionment you know, you were obviously disillusioned with the doctors and and, and obviously confused about what was
1: going on. Tell me a little bit about that stage for you. You know, I think disillusionment can happen throughout the whole journey of chronic pain because you think one day you're better and then you wake up if you've done too much and you go, oh no, I'm not better. Like I ate these fruits and vegetables and and drank this (laughs) green juice and tried my hardest to be better, but Wow, that did not really work very good. I'm still hurting, and so I think that can cause us to really wonder what's going on. When you begin a journey and you have pain and you can't find answers because doctors don't <laughs> know or they can't they don't find listen. the answer, yeah. and they're just kind of playing with testing and stuff, and you still hurt, and and you find a doctor that's not compassionate. Oh, all of those can send you into just a place of what on earth is going on i think you can really feel disillusioned when you realize your life is going to change your life is going to drastically change and how are you going to deal with that and navigating a system of appointments and phone calls and waiting for answers all of that can send you into a place of questioning and wondering what on earth is going on? And, and then, of
0: course, when you're disillusioned, you can't help but feel like really defeated. So yes. tell, tell us about that feeling of
1: being defeated. I think defeat can be really, really hard if you stay defeated. I think I say often chronic pain is not for the weak. I had someone kind of challenge that saying the other day when, but your body is weak in chronic pain. It is. Mm -hmm. It can be very Mm -hmm. weak. But I think there's a couple of different types of weaknesses. We have a body that is weak, but our mind in the midst of chronic pain cannot be weak. If you live in chronic pain, you have a mental strength that keeps you going. And if you do not allow God to give you strength, like I pray every day, help me to make it right, through this so right. I do not live negatively or defeated or discouraged. I don't, I don't want to live in that, Susan. That is not, it's not peaceful. Defeat is, is not where I want to live. And um, Alicia britt says, pain on its own accord um, does not bring us closer to God. It is a choice. There's a lot of people that turn to alcohol or drugs right. or medications to to get rid of their pain. And they stay defeated. And I think chronic pain has the ability to put us in a prison, a prison of pain, where we just turn that, turn that lock and we throw away the key and say, there's no hope. I live in pain. My life is over. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm going to stay. And I want to say, Jesus gives you the key to unlock that door and freeze you. Now, is your pain going to maybe be different? No, it's not. But when your mental state is, I am going to fight this with the help of God. I do not have to live in defeat. Our whole life changes. When I I go back to those questions about uh, somebody saying, you're not going to die that is so true but i want to add to that you're not going to die but how are you going to live oh that's good that's powerful defeated or are you going to let god change this to be something that is going to be an avenue for us to draw closer to god and that that is debbie that is
0: so powerful because no matter what it is whether it's chronic pain or just all the other things that could happen in life, we have a responsibility how we're going to respond to it. Yes, it's normal humanness to feel disillusioned and feel defeated and even depressed. You know, those are normal human emotions that God can relate to. And uh, obviously if you read the Psalms, the Psalms tells us lots about that emoting of that. But every day is a challenge to get yourself mentally and spiritually awakened and anchored is such a challenge. You know, I saw this quote by uh, Carmen Ambrosia. She said, if opening your eyes or getting out of bed or holding a spoon or combing your hair is the daunting Mount Everest you climb today, that is okay.
1: So tell me what that feels like to you, that quote. I love that quote (laughs) because I feel like First, I want to say, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay if your Everest is just getting out of bed. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's okay. Just don't do something. Just don't lay in bed for the next month. (laughs) And um, you may never make it to the mountain of what most people think is the top of that mountain. But for me, at least I've gotten out of bed. I have put on some type of clothes. Sometimes it's just sweats, Susan, and a T-shirt. And I go have to sit in a chair. And I grab my Bible and I pray. But I have made an effort to do something. And even uh, what I loved about this quote is it's it's not even about climbing the mountain. Sometimes it's just laying mm-hmm. at the foot of the mountain Mm -hmm. And just saying, God, this is all I can do today because I don't have the physical strength to go beyond this. But what I am learning, Susan, is even if we just lay at the foot of the mountain and all we can do is brush our teeth, we can pray. We can pray for the world. We can pray for our friends. We can pray for our family. That is a ministry that God gives us even with chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And so, and you can I, reach out to other people
0: like yeah. you're doing, not only for support but encouragement, and yes. and do those things. You know, you talk about a couple things that you learned during the process. One, of course, you said be your own advocate, which you talked about a lot. You talked about okay, don't be afraid to. Say things to the doctors until somebody's listening. I know. I know a lot of people feel that way, just going to their own doctor. I mean, one of the reasons why I like my doctor is he doesn't look at me like I'm crazy because I'm saying something. I think this is, you know, because you know your body, you know what you're, what's happening with your body, and then you also talk about don't giving up, as just staying even if you're at the Mount Everest at the bottom, don't give up. But you also talked about a little bit about this that God wasn't punishing you. Do people with chronic pain kind of struggle with
1: that, to think they did something to cause this? Um, I do. I do feel like, I think especially if you've been in church your whole life, um, there is some teaching out there that says that if you don't do right, God's going to punish you, so you will do right. And I have been told on occasion that my sin has caused this. And so when that happened to me, I truly went to God and said, forgive me. I think that's a great prayer. I think we all need to. to we pray need to check always. ourselves. Absolutely. Wrong, yeah. Yeah. Forgive me, Jesus. I don't, I don't want to do anything wrong. And so search my heart and let me know if I have done something. But Job has become a book that I have just really grasped onto. I am not Job. I try to live in integrity. I try to please God, but I'm so far from what we view Job as. Mm-hmm. But the first couple of verses of Job talks about God allowed this in Job's life. Not because he sinned. It says he was a man of integrity. Right, right. He loved God. And and Satan came to him, and, and Jesus like, what are you doing? And he said, I'm roaming the earth to see What's going on, and Joe? And Jesus said, "Have you considered my servant Job? He loves me, and he's going to love me no matter what he goes through." And so, I, over the course of the last several years, I have come to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God allowed this in my life for a reason, and for me, it is to draw me closer to God, and to to I've learned encouragement, I've learned compassion. I've learned a different kind of love for people that suffer that I did not have before I walked through this. God Mm -hmm. does not take us through things just to say, have a nice day. I hope you can survive. Here, you're going to hang off a cliff. God takes us through things to help us to grow, to be more like him, and to build character in our life and make us stronger so we can stand up for the truth that God is God in the good and God is God in the bad. I think we can get up, caught up with have I sinned or why. The why question is huge. I think when we suffer, asking why, uh, I think you have to go through a, a season of why and just evaluate. You know, for me, I had no control. A medical company, device company made a, made a product that was bad. And I did nothing to say, I want this device in my body because right. it's bad. That stuff happens. We live in a fallen world. But my, I, I went into counseling because I was really struggling with some of this stuff that was happening. And my counselor said to me, why is a question that two-year-olds ask? And no. I went, oh, well, I'm not two. <laughs> so I guess I better put that question. But when I left there, I started thinking about that. And Susan, it doesn't matter if I know the answer. Why? I could know the answer. My situation still might not change i think for me that was huge god doesn't have to tell me why and in job as Uh, we're reading about uh, it it job talks uh, about um you know god mm -hmm. i've lived right i don't understand this just let me die and and i'll be fine and i love what job chapters 38 and 39 say Uh, jesus the lord answers job in a whirlwind and he says wait uh, who are you to question my wisdom? That's right. That's right. Who are you that you mm. even mm-hmm. need to know this? I am mm-hmm. the God of the universe. And mm. for the next two chapters, Susan, there is, depending on commentaries and how you count the questions, there's between 76 and 90 questions about who God is. God is the creator of the universe, Susan. Yes. He stops the oceans from at a place where there's no more water that can come and take us over. God created the heavens and the earth. He is so big. That's His right. reasons mm-hmm. I may not understand, mm-hmm. but he has allowed my journey for a reason. And when I read that, I just went, I don't need to know why. God doesn't owe me an explanation. You know. And even if he told me I might not like the answer and That's I'm right. still here
0: right and you know and the not the funny thing but the ironic thing is you know whether it's chronic pain or COVID-19 a lot of us are asking why 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 right now and one of the things I learned is with my own situation and, and challenges I've had is that I don't know what I don't know and God's thoughts are greater than my thoughts he is wiser. He does know more than I do. I don't understand why. And asking why is almost a waste of energy. Yes. You know? Yeah. And in and, and, and what, what am I doing when I'm asking why? Am I really helping the situation? Or am I making the situation worse? Because, like you said,
1: what if I did know why? Yeah. And I feel like it comes down to, as a Christian... Do we trust God? Do we trust him mm-hmm. with our life enough to say, you know what, God, I am not you. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you in this time. And I do not know how people live in chronic pain who don't know Jesus. Mm. I think that would just be so difficult. And uh, Jesus, my relationship with Jesus is what has gotten me through this. My desire to know him better and to I, I just feel he gives you peace in the midst of some really horrible storms. And so I just feel like I've come to a place in my life that I will trust you no matter what. I will lean on you no matter what. I will ask for your help in the hard days and in the easy days because I cannot walk this alone. But it's just not about chronic pain. It's about life. We can't do this life alone. We can't no, we do can't. this life without we God.
0: And there's so many aspects of it that cause grief, you know, um, tell us a little bit about grief and how, how that plays into our, one of our feelings during, during chronic
1: pain. Um, you know, I didn't think I'd grieve. I actually thought this was, I had nothing to grieve. And I was laying on a table getting a, uh, some, uh, massage therapy kind of stuff. And the lady said, would you like some oils? And I'm like, sure. I love oils. I said, what's in the oil? And she said, well, I make them up myself. And one of the ingredients I use deals with grief. And I immediately said, I'm not grieving. I'm not sad. I've really tried to be happy on this journey Mm -hmm. and be okay. And she said, oh, you've been great. You have always come in here smiling. Um, But Debbie, you've gone through a lot. And you have to grieve. And Susan, immediately, Mm -hmm. I started bawling. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. for the next several, several weeks, Mm -hmm. I cried uncontrollably about the grief and about um, my job changed, our finances changed. I physically cannot do what I used to do. Mm. I get tired easy. I live in a fatigue that is, my doctor calls it a wet blanket. Some days where I just cannot get out of bed because I've done too much the day before. Um, I've grieved friendships because friends don't understand chronic pain. They don't understand why you have to say no sometimes. Um, they don't understand why you can't walk the mall and spend the whole day on Saturday at the mall and eating out. I can't do that anymore. And um, I read a story about a lady who sat in front of her closet and cried because she had to quit wearing high heel shoes. Mm. And I understand that. I wear the ugly shoes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, you know, you live in pain and, and it's like, I'm afraid to go to church because my shoes are gonna be ugly. And that is not what this journey is about, but that's how people judge. People judge how you look and, and, and that has been hard, but you have to grieve. And I think there's two things that can keep us locked in this prison I talk about is what used to be and what if. My what used to be is not what is. And what if I never would have had a hip replacement? I had to have a hip replacement. Or why? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I have to quit asking the what used to be and and the what if questions because um, that's not going to change. But I do believe you need to grieve and you need to go before God and say, help me. And Ashley Davis writes this. She says, you won't ever be your old self again. You are growing into a new self, a new self that is born out of that grief. God can make something beautiful out of what we're going through. I prayed that God would restore my soul and heal my disappointment. A lot. I still pray that when I can't do Mm -hmm. something. I pray that God would reassure reassure me that I'm not going to walk this path alone and rescue me from feeling that my what used to be is better than my what is. Um that's a big one for me. I live a great life now. I have done stuff that I never thought I'd do. Start a writing journey. Like being the mastermind group, that was so out of my comfort zone. I never would have done that. Mm-hmm. And yet God opened this amazing door for me to meet amazing women who write and love Jesus and, and want to tell their stories. I would not trade this for anything. It's new. It's different. I stay at home a lot. I hardly go shopping Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to walk Mm -hmm. so I think we just have to look at life differently like fill the void of what used to be with something different yeah. You know, my previous
0: church I went to is doing a, a series right now, and it's called Where's Norm? And the whole pr- presence is is about the new normal and what things are with COVID and everything. And, of course, COVID is, I think, teaching us a lot, too. But your journey, you know, it, it seems like something like that is like, OK, you have to accept your new normal but you know, how do we notice God during these times? What kinds of ways can we see God in the midst of this? I know you talked about some of those, but you also talked a little bit about God, God's glory moment. Tell us what those are for
1: you. I was out, um, I'm not a gardener, but I do have a few rose bushes. And um, several years ago, I was out looking at the roses, and I just picked up one and it kind of got a thorn. And I was like, kind of like, well, this is just life. It's just a bunch of thorns, kind of. And I just felt like God spoke to me and said, Debbie, in this journey, it's time that you quit looking at the thorns and you start looking at the roses. And I am going to walk this journey with you. And I want you to start looking for me start looking for For God in the big miracles. Like when it talks in the Bible about God, turn the water into wine or those huge things. And I just felt like God said, I'm not just in the big things of your life. I am in the everyday moments of your life. And I want you to start really noticing them. And Susan, I did in one morning I was having a bad morning and I just said, God, I cannot do this anymore. And on my windowsill, literally a bird, came and sat on my windowsill and that scripture says do I not love you more than the birds of the mm, air mm-hmm. I'm there Debbie mm-hmm. and I love eagles I have always loved eagles and we recently had to move from a house that was my dream home but had they call it the Swift family Robinson house it had stairs everywhere and, and I got to where I couldn't climb the stairs anymore mm-hmm. Talk about grief, having to sell that house was one of the hardest things I ever did because we had to move to a Rambler. That is a small house, not my dream home. But in this area, there's eagles everywhere. Every time that I was going to an appointment that was difficult or that we were waiting on test results or something, Susan, literally every time on our way to an appointment or when I would just be outside, an eagle would fly Uh, uh, and i just remembered uh, that scripture that says they that wait upon the lord will renew their strength. strength they will mount up with wings as eagles they will run and not be weary they will walk and not faint teach me lord to wait and those were signs jesus walks with us he hears the cries of our heart and when we do not think we can make it anymore you guys jesus is there and if we just start looking for him, I've watched him before I went in for my, uh, my surgery, my first surgery, I was nervous because I loved the surgeon, but he wasn't really compassionate. I mean, he was kind of difficult for me. I knew he was going to be a good surgeon, but he, I, I still didn't think he believed me until after my first surgery. Okay. was Gotcha. But we were, um, Right before we'd left our home. It's our the surgery was 45 minutes away and we had turned the TV on real fast to look at for the traffic. And on the TV was a commercial with him on the TV and a lady that he was talking about who had just had a surgery from him. And you know what she said, Susan? He was one of the most compassionate and greatest surgeons I've ever met. And he helped me and I can walk now without pain. That that was God Right. because he knew I was anxious and I'd been told I might not be able to ever walk again. And so I went into this surgery feeling a little anxious and I just felt like God said to me, Dad, I'm here. That's right. That's
0: right. He's noticing you. He's paying attention. A lot of times people want to experience God. They want to hear him. They want to see him. They want to feel him. They want to sense him. And there are times when he manifests himself to us in great ways. I mean, part of the challenge or part of the encouragement in this podcast is to encourage people that, hey, you know what? He is there. Look, look for him, look for him. And, you know, you mentioned the ego, but you also mentioned the verse that came along with it. So when you talk about anchored in a I'm sure it's anchored in the word of God. So do you have like a, is, was that your favorite Bible verse or do you have, do you have many? I'm sure you must have many when dealing with, with chronic pain.
1: On this journey, immediately that, that phrase came and I felt like God said, Debbie, you have to anchor in something. There's, there's many things you can anchor in, but anchor in me and you're alive. You're alive to tell of the goodness that I'm going to show you on this journey And that's where Anchored in Life come. I did want to share a verse um, about this whole journey of chronic pain. And God talks about, in Job 12, 13, God uncovers mysteries hidden in darkness. He brings light to the deepest gloom. That has become a favorite verse of mine. Mm -hmm. Because chronic Mm -hmm. pain can be a pretty dark time. But really, it is in these dark times that God shows us hidden mysteries and treasures, Susan, that we will never, ever experience if we don't walk through some really tough stuff. But my favorite of all verses that God gave me really, really early on was Psalm 61:12, And it says, hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the earth, end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower for my enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. And I will trust, I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Mm. And I have held on to that verse, this whole journey. And in my mind, I actually see when I'm having a bad day, I think that I'm climbing up on that rock. I visualize it that Jesus is taking my hand and he's putting me on a rock and I'm just laying there mm. in the warm of the sun and he's just speaking to me and giving me the strength to um, to get through this. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's powerful. There's somebody out there who's probably listening today, Debbie, who is dealing with chronic pain or knows somebody who's dealing with chronic pain. Do you have any advice or words of love or compassion you could have us be able to share with somebody is it just important just to be there with them
1: and present yes. in their pain yeah as a friend I do believe you have to be there I think that's for some it's really hard to accept help for me it was it still is and I've been doing this for over 10 years when somebody calls and says, I'd like to come and clean your house. I'm like, no, 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 I can do it. Right. I have a friend that loves to garden and she's like, I'll come and do your garden. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 that's fine. Yeah. It's not these people. This is their ministry too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Laid, mm-hmm. Laid it on there to help. And I don't want to be the one that says, no, 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 you're not getting the blessing today because I'm kind of prideful. And I don't want you to see my, all the weeds in my garden or accept a meal from you or just have you come and talk i think that was hard i really struggled with people coming to see me after my surgeries because i couldn't walk and and it was really embarrassing and bad mm-hmm. i think that's part of the chronic pain thing when you really struggle you don't want people to see you so if, you isolate yourself yeah don't you? You yeah you do isolate yourself mm-hmm. but nobody understands unless you've been there but as a friend, be there, text. Sometimes I can't talk on the phone because I just am so worn out. But I can read a text when I have the strength. Um, I've had friends drop flowers on my front door and just text me and say, I left something at your front door. That, to me, has been amazing. I had a friend say, I left a package on your front door. And I was on a Zoom call with our mastermind group. And I went to the front door. And Susan, she made me a quilt with mm. anchors all over it.
0: Oh, nice. Oh. That nice just
1: said, I'm about you I'm so I just want you to know I'm praying for you that kind of stuff no I can't make a quilt right um, <laughs> me I'm, either I'm, I'm with nothing. you sister <laughs> but I have taken flowers to people that I know are struggling or or sent a card so just be a friend in that way right and then you know what about
0: somebody out there who is dealing with chronic pain what's the one thing you wish you could say to them above everything
1: else hmm First of all, I want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're hurting. And I'm sorry this this is the life that you're going through. On the other hand, God's got amazing things for you. And I really encourage you to be your own advocate. Don't live life alone. Fight if you don't feel good. But I also have just been reading this verse that has touched me that I, I just want to end in. Job 37. Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry? Jesus can, you guys. And when you are really feeling like you can't go on, remember that there is a God in heaven who's going to tilt the water jars. And he not only waters the ground, but he waters our souls. And we do not have to be alone. We don't have to do this alone. God is with us, and he will help us through this journey.
0: Thank you, Debbie, for that. So somebody out there, I hope that cements into your brain. For those who are interested in finding out more, you can go to Anchored in Alive, and there'll be also information on our website, The Notice. Get some encouragement from Debbie. I know I'm encouraged today. Next time on The Notice. The political culture in our country has become polarized. Even as Christians, we are aligning ourselves more and more with one particular party over the other. What if we took notice of how God wants us to engage in the world, instead of anchoring our identity on one particular party? Could politics become our idol? How do we engage in a political discussion in a loving way? Join me for the next episode of The Notice, where I have a challenging conversation with author Aaron Schaefer about his new book, the politically homeless Christian. We did discuss how to reject polarization, be wise in our choices, show the love of Jesus, and notice God through politics. Until next time, take notice.